and welcome to episode 23 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. You can find me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. That's at DMAC underscore LA. On today's episode, we'll be talking baseball. MLB All-Star Game was yesterday at the Home Run Derby a few nights ago. Haven't had time to talk about that. Then we're going to talk a little more NBA. Kawhi Leonard signed his contract today. Russell Westbrook's on the trading block. And the NBA appears to be done with tampering rules. So we'll talk about that. And then on the 23rd GMS podcast, I'm going to give you guys 23 reasons why the great Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. We're going to run down them really quick. I've been working on this list for years, really. But we're going to start with the MLB All-Star Game. So last night... The American League, they continue their dominance over the senior circuit. And since 1988, the American League is now 24-6-1 against the National League. They win their seventh straight. All-time, the series now is 45-43-2. So it's close all-time. National League fared very well back in the day, but... The National League, they got beat again. It was close. It was a 4-3 game. Brad Hand really got in a little bit of trouble in the game. He loaded the bases, but he was able to get out of that jam. But, hey, it was really not a very exciting game. The ratings, I already just checked the ratings. They were down from last year. It drew 1.7 and 7 million viewers, and that's down from 2.1 last year. Just to give you an idea, In 1967, the All-Star Game had a 25.6 rating. So population was down, and you still had 14 million people tuning in. The game isn't what it once was. I'm glad they did away with the ridiculous home field advantage gimmick they were doing for a couple years. But really, the game, a lot of people are wondering, what's wrong with the All-Star Game? Me, personally, I don't really think there's anything really wrong with it. I think it is what it is. I think it's hard for all these leagues to develop an attractive product for the All-Star Game just because there's so many games. These guys play 162 games. NBA plays 82 games. The Pro Bowl's a joke. There's no contact. And you got half the players that are eligible playing in the Super Bowl. It takes place the week following. So it's tough to really, no real league has figured out how to truly maximize and develop a compelling and intriguing game. But to me, the reason why the baseball, why the uh, MLB All-Star Game suffered last night really was the style of play. 16 of the 27 outs for the National League, you got runners not even getting on base. I mean, no one was getting on base. It was the trend of Major League Baseball this year where the home run has just gotten out of hand. The home runs this year have just really taken their toll, and that has really been the story of All-Star Weekend of the All-Star Week in Major League Baseball. You had Verlander. He had some very strong comments about Major League Baseball, about the balls, about the the perception that the balls are juiced, that the pill has been centered. I mean, you listen to Justin Verlander right here. He says, Major League Baseball is turning this game into a joke. They own all Rawlings, and you've got Rob Manfred up here saying it might be the way the center of the pill, they own the bleeping company. 
If any other $40 billion company bought out a $400 million company and the product changed dramatically, it's not a guess as to what happened. We all know what happened. Manfred, the first time he came in, what'd he say? He said we'd want more offense. All of a sudden, he comes in. The balls are juiced. It's not a coincidence. We're not idiots. But, of course, it's important to note that Justin Verlander does lead all of Major League Baseball and home runs allowed. He's given up over 26 dingers this year. So you can really understand his frustration with the home run ball. But, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it's absurd. This year, Major League Baseball is on pace for 600, for 6,668 home runs. Hey, it might be 6666 because to me, the home run is really the devil in Major League Baseball right now. There's too many dingers. There's too many bombs. I mean, I think a nice balance is okay, but you're really hurting the game in my opinion. You're about, you're, they're going to hit a 1,100 more than a year ago and more than 500 more than the record of 6,105 in 2015. So teams are averaging 2.74 homers per game with 16 teams on pace to break franchise records. So the numbers don't lie. I bring my facts to the fight, and I'm telling you, these facts – these numbers are telling you that it's gotten out of control, and you know that Major League Baseball, they got to be thinking to yourself, oh, I know what you're thinking. We're juicing the baseball because how can we not believe that when Major League Baseball now owns Rawlings? So you're, you mean to tell me, Major League Baseball, by the way, this whole idea that Major League Baseball isn't healthy, they are very healthy. Major League Baseball brought in 107 billion dollars last year everyone talks about the success of the NBA that's three billion dollars more than the NBA and really it's all about the volume of games they dominate in regional markets and their issue though is trying to get the game younger trying to get the younger generation to become seam heads become baseball fanatics and their idea clearly is to try to get home runs. But I'm telling you, what you're doing is you're taking away some of that nuance. I mean, the zeal for analytics in Major League Baseball has gotten to a point where you're simplifying what typically is such a complicated and nuanced game. I mean, the problem with these home runs, I just mentioned, they're going to hit about 6,668 home runs. 60% of those home runs are solo home runs. They're home runs without any runners on base, and no one wants to see that. And last night was evident, was was more evidence that really Major League Baseball is turned into a sport where it it, it just lacks that that nuance that 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 uh, that mid range jumper that you see in basketball. And look, it's as if and and John Smoltz last night was trying to compare it to. Here's John Smoltz talking about how it's like basketball with all the three-pointers. And yes, in the 70s, in the 80s, if I had told you that basketball, the NBA, was going to be this three-point shooting contest, look, you'd be like, oh, no, that's just a gimmick. You're crazy. And yes, there are more three-pointers, but the the ball is the same. The rim is the same. Guys are shooting more three-pointers, but it does come with a cost. Look what it did to the Golden State Warriors. They clearly were gassed by that pace. They clearly had injury problems because of that pace. So we're going to see in the long run how that will impact 
basketball going forward, but the ball is the same, okay? So, John Smoltz, you missed a very key point there is it's not just launch angle, which launch angle is a thing. You elevate the ball, and you increase your odds of getting home runs, and I understand that dynamic. If you're a player, you're much more valuable to a team if you're slugging, you're hitting extra base hits, you're hitting home runs, but the ball is the same, and that is the difference there. I mean, can you imagine if the NFL, the NFL is without question the most popular sport in the United States. It dominates every single category as far as revenue, as far as TV ratings. No one can really mess with the NFL. I mean, really, the only thing it doesn't have is the volume of games. When you're talking about a 16-game regular season with a couple rounds of playoffs in the Super Bowl. But imagine if, if the NFL, they said, all right, we're going to hire all these analytics guys, and these analytics guys say that the best thing to do is get the ball and throw four Hail, four Hail Marys, and that's it. You got Tom Brady, you got Aaron Rodgers dropping back, going deep, throwing Hail Marys on every play. Look, maybe you get a couple, maybe you don't. But look, no bubble screens. I'm a guy who likes the intermediate routes. I'm a guy who enjoys watching a run game. And baseball right now, it has to decide what it's trying to do because I think that you're going to find a team that's going to zig when baseball is zagging. And look, you love the home run ball, and that was also that was also on full display two nights before. If you didn't see that home run derby, everyone was going crazy about that home run derby. And you look at it, 312 home runs, 312 jacks. In that home run derby, that breaks last year's record, which was set at 221, okay? Vlad set the all-time record with 91, and he didn't even win. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. didn't even win, and he hits 91. I mean, they were really trying to showcase this kid, and Jock Peterson from the Los Angeles Dodgers, he hit 60 on his own last night before before he went out. So before he hit 60 and doesn't even make it to the final. And before that, there had only been one in the last two that had 60. And that last night you have two with Vladimir and Jock Peterson. I mean, it was just an insane fireworks show. And I'm just telling you, look, you like the home run derby? Well, guess what? Every night in Major League Baseball is a home run derby. And that's what it's turning into Last night at the Home Run Derby a couple nights ago, the average home run, 425 feet. So it was crazy. And you just, the ball, the Major League Baseball, Manfred, just come clean. I understand. I'm, I'm okay. And, and, and look, okay, I'm not a scientist here, but if you want to explain why the ball, in layman's terms, why the ball is affecting it, it's because the seams are lower, it's smoother. The drag is less. So basically what that just means is it's cutting through the air, and that's how balls are getting out because the way the ball is constructed, it cuts through the air, the carries there. And if you look at it, 82 home runs have gone 450 feet last year. Okay, that was last year. This year we already have 100. So 
That's just what it is. The ball is juice. There's no doubt about it. Major League Baseball today is saying that they're not intentionally doing it, that they don't want home runs. And I'm telling you, it's like it's like the old saying goes, you never trust a baseball, a Major League Baseball commissioner. How do you know a Major League Baseball commissioner is lying? Because his lips are moving. So don't destroy your credibility, Rob Manfred. I think for the most part, you've done a lot of things right as the MLB commissioner. But look, it's clear you want to increase home runs. I'm okay with a happy medium, but hey, I am a lifelong Dodger fan. I understand pitching greatness, and I don't want to lose sight of of a balanced, more nuanced Major League Baseball game. So you compare that, you, you see that denial with Rob Manfred, with the commissioner, with Major League Baseball, and then you compare that to the NBA. You compare that to Adam Silver, and it's polar opposites. Adam Silver this morning, he comes out and he addresses the idea of of tampering. And he says, look, hey, look, we understand what's going on. You have teams courting players. You have management making moves on certain free agents well ahead of the window that they're supposed to be discussing free agency. And he's saying that things are going to change. He's saying that they're going to change the rules and they're going to make things more more realistic, really, okay? They're not in denial. They're not saying that something isn't going on. They're saying, look, something is going on, that there is tampering, that there has been for years, but instead of denying it, instead of saying, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. What are you talking about? They're saying, look, it does exist. It is going on, but we're going to take the steps to change that, and it just shows, hey, Rob Manfred and Adam Silver, they're a little different. Adam Silver, when there's a problem, he doesn't hide. He addresses it. He also addressed the idea of players requesting trades and how that's an issue. And he called it disheartening. So Adam Silver, he knows how to nip things in the butt in his leagues and not shy away from controversial issues. So credit credit to Adam Silver. He's really getting it done. Rob Manfred... He's got a healthy league. They're making over $10 billion, so it starts, it's tough to argue with his success. But don't lie to me, baby. I don't want to hear that. I, I mean, look, don't lie to me. That's the issue because then it makes it very hard to believe you moving forward. So that's my only issue. Adam Silver, he comes out. He says, look, there is no tampering. And to me, the whole tampering thing is a joke. It, it is an absolute joke. In this day and age, it's not always about direct contact with the player himself it's not always about am I interacting with their agent it's about our agents liaisons within organizations with their business managers guys like Rich Kleiman guys like Rich Paul guys like Aaron Mintz the power agents the power brokers and it's always get you think these players you really think these multi-million dollar athletes these guys making upwards of $100, $200 million. You think they're sitting there talking to front office guys during the season? Absolutely not. Maybe you talk to a guy like Magic or Jerry West or some of the top guns just because of who they are. But no, they have a team of guys. They have a team of their of their handlers that are filling out these situations on their behalf. So really, when it comes to tampering, it's not really the player and the front office direct contact it's the other guys. It's the business managers, the agents. And give Adam Silver credit. I don't know what the baseline they're going to have on that and what's in, in violation. 
But really, I think that uh, if I'm one of these smaller markets here, I'm a little upset at Adam Silver for not coming down harder on this issue because if you're a smaller market, if you're an OKC, if you're a, a smaller market that has issues like a Cleveland, guys like Minnesota, Toronto, guys that have tough times, T organizations that don't always land free agents, and now you're if, if, if Adam Silver's going to make it okay for the Chicago's, the New York's, all these big teams to bully the stars on these lesser market teams, I think that's a very slippery slope if you're Adam Silver and the NBA. If I, I think it goes on, and I think that we are in the player mobility era. There is no such thing as a contract. In 2019, in the NBA, every player is a free agent. That's just what it is. Every player, they're going to sign when they're eligible for the big bag, and they're going to secure that. And if they're unhappy, the pressure is on a year-in, a year-out basis, a year-in, and year-out basis to just completely put pressure on your organization to put talent around you, to load manage you, to put themselves in positions to win championships. Because if that's not done, they're going to do the Anthony Davis. They're going to do power moves with their agent. They're going to really just wreak havoc on their organizations if they don't get what they want. We're going to see how this plays out. It's been effective with Kyrie. It was effective with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis set a precedent that if you're in a small market, New Orleans Pelicans, which I'm a very big fan of, the New Orleans Pelicans, by the way, it has been reported that Lee Ning, the shoe manufacturer Lee Ning, is going to offer Zion Williamson $250 million dollars. Don't hate on Lee Ning, by the way. Those are some quality kicks. I've heard great things about Lee Ning. I've talked to Hoopers at open gyms, and they ball in them. They Clay Thompson signed with Lee Ning. They really make a quality shoe. They're big time in in China, and apparently they're going to offer Zion $250 million. And if I'm Zion Williamson, I mean, hey, man, you're, you could get $250 million guaranteed before playing your first game. And I think that'd be great marketing, too. That whole, the shoe blowing up, that's going to be great marketing for Lee Ning because they can say, hey, we make a shoe that's durable enough for Zion Williamson. You know, you're not going to have to just glue it, right? So that's the thing, I think, that, uh, but back to, the, back to the main thing. You know, you got, like I said, Anthony Davis, he made a complete precedent saying you got the smallest market, you hire the biggest power agent, he can get you to the big market. You got the Pelicans going to the Los Angeles Lakers. So it's been done. If you're a big enough star and you have that leverage, you're going to do it. And speaking of leverage plays, it came out this morning that contrary to some reports, Kawhi Leonard didn't sign that four-year deal. (laughs) Kawhi Leonard signed a two-plus-one-year deal and a two-plus-one-year deal. And that is that lines up with when Paul George's contract ends. So hey, if you're Balmer, if you are, if you're Balmer, if you're Lawrence Frank Doc Rivers and company, you better hope this works out. You better hope that Kawhi Leonard enjoys his time with the Clippers and he's getting the success that he hopes to get because it, it was a rumored four-year deal. It was actually a three-year deal, two plus one. But what this does is it doesn't necessarily say that Kawhi Leonard is is intending to leave. It just says he's trying to maximize his income because it'll give him 10 seasons of experience 
after the second year, and he'll be able to earn a max contract with 35% of the salary cap. So, but hey, man, if this does not work out, and Kawhi Leonard, look, Giannis is a free agent that year. Who knows what Giannis wants to do? Maybe Giannis and Kawhi go to New York. Maybe who? Look, at this part, part it's, it's crazy enough to predict in the NBA what's going to happen a month down the line, a year down the line of free agency, let alone in 2021. But let's say this doesn't work out. The Clippers, let's just run down the haul that they gave up for Paul George. Two, uh, 2022 unprotected first-round pick, the rights to swap first-round picks in 2023, the Clippers' 2024 unprotected first-round pick, the rights to swap first-round picks in 2025, unprotected, and the Clippers' 20... We're talking 2026, okay? It's 2019, and we're talking 2026 unprotected first-round picks. All I've got... Look, they are more than all-in, okay? They more than mortgage their future for this opportunity. So it's a game of high-stakes poker for Steve Ballmer and company. But give them credit. They're going all-in. But if this does not work out, they are in big-time trouble. I mean, maybe Kawhi Leonard is already sick of the Clippers. Who knows? But you know what this means, right? You thought... You thought that that six days was agonizing for Kawhi Watch. Now we have a two-year Kawhi Watch. We're going to be on Kawhi Leonard Watch for the next two years, gauging the the success of the Los Angeles Clippers, gauging his press conferences, gauging any comments or remarks he makes. But it's going to be a fun ride, definitely. But last thing about the NBA today is the big talk is about Russell Westbrook and the Brody, and where will Russell Westbrook get traded? I've heard a lot of talk. I've heard a lot of talk. I heard Rachel Nichols on the jump was talking about that Russell we- that, that that OKC owes what Russ or that Russell Westbrook signed the contract, his big extension when KD left, and that is not the case. He did not sign that contract. That's the con- the deal he's on now was not that deal. Rachel Nichols. She was talking about when he signed uh, an extension before this biggest big extension. So Russell Westbrook decided to come back a year after, not before, not that summer. So one, that was incorrect information. And two, Russell Westbrook, to me, has an unofficial no-trade clause. I, in my opinion, Russell Westbrook has an unofficial no-trade no clause. I've heard guys like Zach Lowe and Howard Beck saying, that, or, or Bill Simmons saying, who cares where they trade Russell Westbrook? The Thunder aren't going to care. You, don't know, you do not know the Oklahoma City Thunder then. Because the Oklahoma City Thunder, say what you want about that organization, but they are a class organization from top to bottom. And they understand that without Russell Westbrook, without Russell Westbrook developing that bond that he had with Paul George, he would not have re-signed with Oklahoma City. Okay? And if he doesn't re-sign with Oklahoma City, they don't get those picks that I just gave you. They don't get those aforementioned picks that they're loaded with now, and those are all thanks to Russell Westbrook. So when you when you think about what they're going to get in return from what Russell Westbrook, they don't have to worry about the picks now because he got them those picks. Those are Russell Westbrook's picks, and he's done more for that franchise than any player in history, and they owe him the right to literally, literally handpick his next organization. And I think that what Russell Westbrook really should do is say, look, man, I got you those picks. 
Without me, there's no Paul George. Without me, you're left with – without me, I could have walked. And you wouldn't even be in a position to trade for Paul George. You guys would have zero stars, okay? <laughs> you guys would have zero stars. So if I'm Russell Westbrook, I'm making it very clear that you're not going to gut the team that I'm going to. I want to keep Deion Waiters. I want to keep a Bam Adebayo. I want to keep guys on that team – the Miami Heat, I think really cap relief is oh, is good enough. And you bring on Drogic, you bring on um, – you could bring on Johnson, and that would be enough for the Oklahoma City Thunder because Russell Westbrook has done every single thing in his power to keep that organization relevant, to keep that organization afloat. Because, look, if you look last year, the most watched teams in the NBA, the Lakers, the Warriors – Guess who the third most watched team in the NBA was? It was the Oklahoma City Thunder, okay? Oklahoma City Thunder, Russell Westbrook jerseys, they're amongst some of the top selling. He's got a big-time cult following. Say what you want. The guy is an iconic player. The guy is a top-10 point guard all time. If you look at player efficiency ratings, Russell Westbrook is is number 18 all time. Russell Westbrook, if you look at Russell Westbrook, he's 18 all time all-time in PER at 23.67. So 23 all-time. Magic Johnson is 15th at 24.11. Number one is the GOAT, uh, Michael Jordan at 27.9. LeBron James, 27.5. So look, Russell Westbrook has had a phenomenal career, and I look, look for him to go to the Miami Heat. I'm telling you, this idea, like I've seen reports of him maybe going to the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Orlando Magic. If you think Russell Westbrook is going to sign off on going to Minnesota, on going to Orlando, you are off your rocker. That's not going down. Only other team I can see him possibly going to is the is – the, Detroit Pistons, depending on what they give up. I mean, it's not the market he probably want to be in. They do have history, and it could link him up with Blake Griffin. They're both Team Jordan guys. So who knows if that if that would go down. I, I could see that as a possibility. I think Russell Westbrook wants to get a taste of this Eastern Conference love and see what it's like on that in that conference. Or maybe if they if they could imagine if they did a three. How about this three-team deal? I've heard about this. I've thought about this. How about this three-team deal where you take Chris Paul, trade him to Miami because he's disgruntled, and then you trade Oklahoma, you trade Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets, and you link up James Harden and Russell Westbrook. That'd be pretty insane. I don't think that'd be effective. They like to handle the rock a lot. But we'll find out hopefully in the next couple of days. Also, one last thing for the Russell Westbrook thing. Also heard Zach Lowe and Howard Breck talking about, hey, I think it'd be okay. I think Rachel Nichols, I think it'd be okay for them to take this into the season to have Russell Westbrook take this into the season with the Oklahoma City Thunder, maybe trade him at the deadline when the New York Knicks can trade their uh, their signed players. Because you remember, you can't trade your players until December 15th. And that also, to me, is absolutely ridiculous. And that has no chance of happening because they're not going to waste year 30. The uh, Russell Westbrook is 30. You think any, what, you're going to have a midseason trade and you're going to transition to Russell Westbrook midseason? Absolutely not. He needs to get into a place, absorb the culture, and really make the most of his next destination. So I think that also is ridiculous. So, And so we're going to finish up today, by the way. And we're going to wrap things up here on episode 23 of the Get More Sports podcast with 23 reasons why Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. So first reason, 
only player ever to win an NCAA title with North Carolina in a game that he hit a game winner in against Georgetown and two gold medals and multiple NBA championships. So no player in history has won multiple gold medals, multiple NBA championships, and an NCAA title. That is the full Monty right there. That is you clean house, you win every title there is to win, and then you multiply that. Magic Johnson, he came close. He won an uh, NCAA title, multiple NBA championships, but only one gold medal. So that's the thing. He got one with the Dream Team, and then he also got one back in 1984. Next, he's never lost three straight games since 1981. Michael Jeffrey Jordan in teams led by Michael Jordan, they never lost three straight games. His regular season win total, 706 in 15 seasons. And he led the Bulls, of course, in, in to the most second most winningest season ever with the 72-10 and 10 record in the 95 and 96 seasons. So since 1991, since that championship year, Michael Jordan teams had never lost three consecutive games. That's insane consistency. Also, his durability. Michael Jordan never missed a playoff game. Michael Jordan never missed one playoff game. So when it mattered the most, MJ was there and available. He played all 179 postseason games, and he finished his postseason career with a 119-60 and record. And really, I mean, that's just unbelievable because you're playing in an era much more physical, but not to miss one playoff game. And next, Michael Jordan... He played in all 82 games at age 40. So in 2002 and 2003, he played in all 82 games. His last year with the Chicago Bulls, 97-98, he didn't need any rest. Played all 82 games. Load, manage that modern-day NBA. Michael Jordan played all 82 games like it was nothing. Next, he led the NBA in total points in 1985 and then 80, in, in 1985, he led the league in points. And then from 1987 to 1998, he leads all of the NBA. So unbelievable. The uh, just otherworldly scoring arsenal that Michael Jordan possessed. From the ability to get to the rack, his mid-range game, his free throws, his fadeaways, the most mimic thing in the 90s. And he averaged more than 30 points per game in eight seasons and ended up with 10 scoring titles. So 10 scoring titles for Michael Jordan. In case you're keeping score at home, LeBron James has one to his name. So Michael Jordan, 10 times he's led the league in scoring, and it's just unbelievable. Then never scored single digits in a playoff game. Number six, he's never scored single digits in a playoff game. Jordan never had a single-digit playoff game. So, hey, he played all playoff games, didn't miss one, and he never scored single digits, not even in 179 games. He had zero clunkers, so zero clunkers. And next, Michael Jordan was the ultimate microwave player. He could heat up in an instant, and just look at his numbers. Michael Jordan scored 40 points in nine and 50 in three consecutive regular season games. So 40 points, nine consecutive games, and 50 points in three consecutive regular season games. And he also put up back-to-back 50-point games in the playoffs. So you're talking about a guy who was such a prolific scorer. He'd get hotter than any player. You saw the shrug game. You just, something came over him, and it was the greatness. And also, next, most 30, 40, and 50-point games in playoff history. So we mentioned his 175, 79 postseason games, and he had 
30 points or more in 109 of those games, right? Who's second? Kobe Bryant at 88. And he also tallied 38 40-point games with Jerry West being the runner-up with 40. So shout-out to the logo, by the way. 20 40-point games for the logo. So Michael Jordan, 38 40-point playoff games. And then also... He holds the record with 50, with eight 50 point games. So, eight 50 point games for Michael, 38 40 point games, and then 109 30 point games. So, not only has he never gone single digits in the playoffs, he's being extra, extra productive and just dominating as a scorer in those games. So, just to recap 30 points or more in 109, 40 points or more in 38, and 50 points or more in eight, all of those are records. Also, he holds the record for most points scored in a playoff game. Now, in a playoff game with 63. So, Michael Jordan, he scored 63 points against one of the best Boston Celtics teams ever, the 1986 Boston Celtics, where Michael Jordan just straight up put on an absolute show against Larry Legend and company. He dropped 63 in that game, and Larry Bird famously said right after the game, that man wearing 23 was God disguised as Michael Jordan. So you got guys like Larry Bird seeing his praise, but that is still the record. LeBron James had that 48-point explosion against the Detroit Pistons. That was stellar. Definitely scored the last 25 points. That was pretty much the signature LeBron scoring playoff game. But nothing can top Michael Jordan dropping 63 against a team that's widely considered to be in the conversation for greatest teams of all time. So give me Michael Jordan 63 against the Boston Celtics versus Kobe Bryant's 81 against the Toronto Raptors in the regular season any day of the week. Also, he led the league in win shares in per. So win shares in per, Michael Jordan dominates, right? Michael Jordan all-time with per 27.9. LeBron is second with 27.6. Shaq is in the mix at 27.4. Anthony Davis is currently in that mix. So the analytics will tell you that the PER is where it's at in Michael Jordan as far as win shares per 48. Michael Jordan is number one. So all the analytics will tell you Michael Jordan is still the best player. Also, he could have been a, this next two. Michael Jordan was an underrated triple-double machine. If he wanted to, he could have been Oscar Robertson. He could have done what Russell Westbrook has pulled off in these last three years. Check this out. Michael Jordan in 1988. 89 season, he recorded 10 triple doubles in 11 games, averaging 33.6 points per game, 11.4 assists per game, 10.8 rebounds, and 2.9 steals per game. So we're talking 10 triple doubles in 11 games for Michael Jordan. So if he wanted to, he could have ran the point. He got triple doubles all day, every day. And then also, Michael Jordan was a phenomenal defender. Next, we got Michael Jordan was a two-dimensional, both sides, a two-way player, like what you see with Kawhi Leonard. Now, Michael Jordan was all that, and then so Michael Jordan was a lethal lockdown defender. He also had 200 steals in his career, 100 blocks for two seasons, and finished with 893 career blocks, which is the most for any guard in NBA history. Also, this guy won the Defensive Player of the Year Award as a guard in 1987 and 1988. Mo, um, number, uh, next, we got points per game in NBA history. 
points per game in NBA playoff history when it matters most. Michael Jordan is the only player in NBA history to average more than 30 points per game in the playoffs. He averages 33.4 points per game. Next is Allen Iverson. Shout out to AI. Loved AI growing up. He's coming at number two at 29.7. Then Jerry West at 29.1. Kevin Durant at 28.4. And then LBJ LeBron James at 28.3. So no one is going to come close to touching Michael Jordan's playoff average. I think that's one of the most underrated, under-addressed topics when it comes to Michael Jordan's greatness. And these guys, these clowns that want to put LeBron James in Jordan's category, look at those playoff numbers. It's absolutely absurd. 33.4% average in the playoffs. So also, he was the previous holder of most points scored at 5,987. LeBron James eclipsed that. LeBron James passed Michael Jordan all-time overall scoring, but we all know that's all because the game's played. If you look at the averages, that's what's more important. You look at peak playing, so I don't take too much from that. Also, this really should be number one. But like I said, I was just kind of going running down with these. Michael Jordan owns the NBA Finals, okay? Bill Russell, it's called the Bill Russell NBA Finals Award. That's great. You got to love Bill Russell. He's won the most, but come on now. Michael Jordan owned the NBA Finals, okay? If you look at it, I mean, if you look at it, if your team was not the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, you were probably having a real rough go of it. He was probably... You've probably seen MJ in your nightmares, but Michael Jordan, 6-for-6 six six in the NBA Finals, hit the game winner in Game 6 of 98, 6-for-6 six six in Finals MVPs. What more can you say about MJ in the NBA Finals? No one's going to touch that 6-for-6. Six six. If he doesn't play baseball, he's probably 8-for-8. Eight eight. I mean, seriously. So, Michael Jordan, unbelievable. Also, yeah, one of the most underrated shots to me in Michael Jordan history that no one really talks about is Game 3 of the 1991 NBA Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. The series was split. Magic Johnson, the Lakers, had won Game 1 in Chicago. That game was was uh, Michael Jordan the Bulls were trailing two with less than 10 seconds, no timeouts. Michael Jordan goes coast-to-coast and hits a mid-range jumper to tie it at 89, and the Bulls would eventually win in overtime. So Vladi Divac had actually just hit two free throws to put the Lakers up two. Michael Jordan, he ties that game. They win that game. They win their first championship. If they lose that game, Lakers are up 2-1. Who knows what happens in that series, though. Next, Michael Jordan was absolutely ridiculous in 1993. He was Charles Barkley's worst nightmare in 1993. Jordan absolutely torched the Phoenix Suns, and he won MVP uh, that year, Charles Barkley. And Michael Jordan's like, okay, you win MVP? Michael Jordan scored four consecutive 40-point games. Four consecutive 40-point games in the NBA Finals against the league MVP, and he scored 55 points in Game 4. Michael Jordan dropped. He's like, bro. You got that uh, Maurice Podolov MVP trophy. I'm about to win this finals MVP trophy on you. He scored 55 points in game one. Michael Jordan, that series, averaged 41 points per game. So Michael Jordan made a statement. Also, Michael Jordan's three-point shooting, that, that he couldn't shoot a three, that was an absolute myth. I don't know what anyone's talking about. Michael Jordan, you saw what he did. He shot... In the, against, in the 1992 NBA Finals against Clyde Drexler, everyone was trying to say, oh, Clyde Drexler, he's Michael Jordan. He's a 
better shooting Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan said, okay, I'm going to make six straight three-pointers on you. Michael Jordan had 35 points at the half. So, of course, Ray Allen, he's the record holder for having uh, most threes in a game now. He made seven threes against the Los Angeles Lakers back in 2010. The next, I got Game 6. I have Game 6 of the 1998 NBA Finals as its own reason because it was on display all of Michael Jordan in a 40-second span. Malone is doubled. They swat at it and steal it. Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from Game 7 or from Championship number 6. Jordan... Chicago with the lead. Timeout, Utah. 5.2 seconds left. Michael Jordan running on fumes with 45 points. At the end of the game, you got to get it out of his hands. Okay, Michael Jordan, he hits the layup. He hits the layup to bring it within one. And then... 40 seconds left, he leaves his defender, rips the ball from Carl Malone, goes over, and then, look, yeah, maybe it was a little push-off on Byron Russell, but that's what the greats do. All the greats have all the tricks in the bag, and Michael Jordan, he didn't just, it didn't bounce around the rim. Like Kawhi Leonard, it bounced around four times. That thing was all net, all follow-through, and that was all she wrote. He walked into this, off into the sunset, going six for six, game six on the road, and then also, Michael Jordan's six championships, how many Game 7s were there? None. None of Michael Jordan's finals ever went to Game 7. LeBron James, Kyrie Irving hit a shot for you in Game 7 on the road. That was nice. But LeBron, but Michael Jordan, no NBA finals have ever went to a Game 7. Then next, I got Michael Jordan sneakers. Yo, this is Mars Blackman, and this is my main man, Michael Jordan. And this is a pair of pipe Ed Jordan from Nike. This is something you can buy. And this is a patented, vicious, high-flying, 360 slam dunk. This is something you cannot do. Let me repeat myself. This you can buy. You cannot do this. Can, can, can. Uh-huh. <laughs> no! Michael Jordan sneakers, look, it'd be one thing, he was, he was the player he is, Michael Jordan sneakers changed the culture of everything. I mean, you know, you got, I mean, Michael Jordan, Jordan history speaks for itself. The reason why I know Roman numerals is because of Michael Jordan, okay? The reason why I know what 23 looks like in 12 and 13, trust me, it wasn't because I was at the... Uh, the Pantheon in Rome. It was because of Michael Jordan and all those sneakers. By the way, my favorite Michael Jordan sneaker all time is the Jordan 11s. It does not get better than that patent leather. And my favorite colorway is either Space Jams or the Breads. Breads are dropping in December. You can't top the Michael Jordan, the Jumpman logo. Maybe we'll do a whole show on on the history of Jumpman. Uh, but I definitely would say the Michael Jordan sneakers, no one – a. I mean, you got guys wearing Jordans to prom, to their weddings. I mean, it just transcends culture. People who don't even know what basketball is, people who aren't even fans of the game, are all about Michael Jordan sneakers to this day. Michael Jordan hasn't played in the NBA since 2002, and his sneakers are hot as ever. Save Nike. I mean, what can you say? The Michael Jordan sneakers are definitely a reason. Also, greatest trash talker of all 
time. Michael Jordan was known to hang out at and the teams and the visiting team's tunnel. He would lean on his Ferrari, smoke his cigar, and ask which one of y'all are going to check me tonight and get your ass busted. That was a story from Chris Webber when they were on the Washington Bullets in the playoffs. One time he took it a little too far with Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy Bogues, some people think that Michael Jordan ended Muggsy Bogues. And I'm not, I mean, Michael Jordan, you're a little mean here. I don't even know if I'm that cool with this. But he apparently said Michael Jordan, when uh, Muggsy Bogues had the ball, and he told him to shoot it, you midget. And a lot of people think that Michael, that Muggsy Bogues' career hasn't been the same since. But Michael Jordan would trash talk the hell out of you, and he would do it with a smile. So, I mean, if you look at it, Michael Jordan, he's won every award there is to win. 14 NBA All-Stars, 6 NBA Championships, 6 Finals MVPs, 5 Most Valuable Player Awards, 10-time All-NBA First Teams, 1985 Rookie of the Year, 2-time Slam Dunk Champion. The list goes on and on and on for everything that Michael Jordan has accomplished. Space Jam, I mean, come on, we got... LeBron James trying to do Space Jam 2. We all know Space Jam 1. Nothing is going to top that. And also, I would say that probably the number one thing that Michael Jordan has is he made the game global. He made the He's the reason why 60 billion people around the uh, – or, or, or 600 million people in China are basketball fans. 600 million people play basketball in China on a daily basis. Isn't that crazy? It's just insane how popular basketball is, and it's all about Michael Jordan. He made the game global, and then also he's inspired the, this generation of players. Everyone is chasing Jordan. Kobe Bryant said it himself that he's been trying to chase Jordan. LeBron James said he's been ch- chasing Michael Jordan. He's inspired a generation, but no one's going to touch MJ Greatest player of all time. There you go. Got 23 reasons why 23 is the GOAT on episode 23 of the Get More Sports Podcast. But thanks for rocking with us once again, guys. Check us out Friday. I think we have our first guest on Friday. I know I keep saying that, but it's going to happen. Friday is the day for the first guest of the Get More Sports Podcast. But follow me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. Thanks for rocking with us once again. And I-